So what is it about Dania, though, that, like, saw this guy, you know, I think in your mind, you're like, these are red flags, but you, you tried to care for him there. Why did you not end the conversation when you saw it? This is a question I... for Ro, because he knows us better than we know ourselves. Here's, <laughs> here's the thing. That's a really good question. I usually don't reveal these things to the person that I'm doing it with, <laughs> but... Have you ever wondered why it is that we do what we do and who we do it with? Then this is a podcast for you. An exploration of human beings through systemic psychology and Unani biotypes. With Rodrigo Garcia Platas, Ross Everett, and Brian McElhaney. This is Biotypical. Dania says, the next part of the Dania series, setting me up. Uh, actually, Dania, come on real quick. Give us an update. Yeah. How are you yeah. in jazz? Yeah. Hi, guys. Um, hey, Hello. Dania. Oh, no noise behind you. Now, that's so nice. What? <laughs> no Finally, noise. We don't have a no noise background behind noise. you. Yeah. Oh, good. Because I don't know where my headphones are. So, um, <laughs> me and Jazz, we had a, a conversation um, like the day after, the next day. Because actually that night I was talking to one of my roommates uh, and I just kind of like, I was basically crying for the rest of the day and two days mm. after that. Um, and so I was talking to him first, and then from talking to him, when I Jazz called me the next morning, I just started crying. I was like, mm. <laughs> like oh, I'm so sorry. And then, um, I don't know, she didn't cry back, but we had a, a different kind of conversation. So normally when we go back and forth, there's a point where I stop going against her or stop trying to uh, give her advice. Yeah. yeah, because she's just, she's not, she's not taking it in. She doesn't want to hear it. She already worked it out in her head. And what, how I explained it to her the other day was, it's like we're going into a courtroom and you're the lawyer, you're the judge and the jury. Like it's, yeah. <laughs> you're all of the above. And we're just, I'm, I'm in, the, in the back. Like I'm not even the defendant or <laughs> another lawyer. Like you're just, you're playing everything. <laughs> and wow. it, that's how it feels. And she was like, yeah. I don't mean to do that. It's just, I get on defense. And when people start coming at me like that, it makes me feel like I'm not doing something right. And it's like, well, nothing's right or wrong. It's just you want to make sure you feel okay as you're going through the things that don't feel right or things that feel wrong. And it felt different just because we don't talk about stuff for that long because I just I stopped trying to, to give her my input. So I felt way better afterwards because she also gave me the feedback too. She was like, I mean, thank you for continuing to talk because... I, I'm listening. I'm not listening right now, but like, you know, three days later, she'll come back and tell me that it was helpful, whatever we talked about. And after that, I got on Bumble because I felt different. I was like kind of a high and I was, I was still pretty picky, but um, more willing to have conversations, which if you want an update, that promoting choleric snapped on me. Whoa. Oh. Yeah, let me shame, the shame on you. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> because remember, I told you guys he tried to invite me out before, and yeah, this was like the third time I guess he tried to invite me out. And I, it's not that I didn't want to go, I just still don't want to go to your house. And I, I guess that wasn't clear to him. So, wait, and you have met this guy or not in real life? Not in real life. We just spoke on the phone. Yeah, don't go to his house for the first meeting. That's yeah. yeah. No. And then he lives miles away. He lives about 45, 50 minutes away. 
he's got all this security on this on his apartment and you know he works for the government i'm like you can kill me and get away with it <laughs> I, I don't want that so no and then that's where your brain goes first i love it <laughs> yes like you're gonna do something to me like this is not just for a fun evening this is for there's a there's something at the end of this tunnel to me so i i, I was like do you have a plan and he was like why would i i was like well i just I don't want to change the plan if you thought of something already for us to do when we get there. So if you don't have a plan, I kind of would rather go out to a bar, but I didn't get to that. Like, I didn't get to explain. What did he say? Should I screen share? I can't. Yeah. Uh, next time see. next time we bring Dania, we need to bring Jazz too, so that we can teach them the, the NLP anchor. And so yeah, they're, they're, they're coming next time we meet at our normal time. Jazz just Beautiful. couldn't make it today. You see that? Yes, sorry, I'm in the, the desert on Thursday, which is why. <gasps> There it is. Wait. Looks okay. like Bruce ended the chat. Bruce ended the oh. chat. <laughs> so what ha happened was, let's get you the conversation. This is how it started, was him, um, you know, saying, you know, what's up, what are you doing? Because uh, I tried to, yes, of course, his name's, I tried to give him an alias. His name before was Alex, but his real name is Bruce. Okay. Um. My phone, I couldn't text him back, so we we're back on Bumble, but this is pretty much how it goes. I'm like, I, uh, if you want to come over later, blah, 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 do you have anything planned? He said, no, just come hang out. But then he said, never mind. Oh boy, that's a red flag. Never mind, that's LOL. Flag. <laughs> and yeah, I was like, why never mind? He said, why would I plan something? I was like, I'm not expecting you to, I was just asking. He said, I thought my company would be enough. First no, off, no, this, it's this not. Sucks. He's, playing, he's playing the offended card because he didn't say yes right away. Uh-huh. But did you not know. see this, Dania? That like this is like in this conversation immediately? Because I as a guy am like, yeah, this is a fucking game. Yeah, like, like it's interesting like, because you yeah. kind of went into apologetic mode. Like, not that I, you had to explain yourself rather than being like, okay, bye. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. No, I felt very I felt bad. And actually there was a response that I wanted to send to him, but I couldn't because he ended the chat. So I'm gonna show you that too. Okay. Um but yeah, I was pretty much what I told you guys that I didn't want to ruin the plan. And then I just, I was honest. I was like, I'm nervous about going to your house. And he was like, I'm just thinking about making dinner, hang out here, but it's all good. Maybe another time. I'm not trying to persuade you. LOL, signing off. Which See, see how I told you how playing the game with guys like this just prolongs the agony of this relationship and being yeah. so authentic and transparent just makes them run away immediately. <laughs> yeah, yeah that's... So Signing off, and then like a really like a big smiling emoji. What's going on? Like this yeah. is so what he said. Aggressive. What he's really saying there is okay. My strategy didn't work, and I have nothing like beyond that. So uh, I'll <laughs> right. act like I'm not offended or broken because my strategy the strategy didn't work to sleep with you. Bye. I it's oh. I can imagine being on a dating app and girls like I just want to go to a bar. Me being like no. <laughs> you have to come to my house. Yeah, that's weird. That's like a red flag. I'm like, no. Yeah. That's an insane flag. But this is the message I tried to send back. I said, I'm sorry if you misunderstood me. I wouldn't mind hanging out with you. I would just feel more comfortable if our first time meeting wasn't at your house. Is that something you're open to trying? But you can, you, can you see that it's good that that message didn't arrive? Because he clearly does not have the awareness or the will to have a deep conversation like that. That's why he mm -hmm. ran away. You were asking questions about the meaning of the relationship and what, like, what, are, what, what are we trying here? What's the purpose of this? And, and when people get offended through those questions, that means that they have bad intentions. Yeah. And not yeah. bad intentions like hurting you, but bad intentions like not creating a relationship. That, that's going to hurt me. 
That guy, if you wanted to, to come to his house to hook up, like that's just 100%. textbook. Like that's exactly what was going on. It's that good. was high, Netflix and chill? Yeah, if a guy <laughs> ever is like, listen, just come to my house and I don't want to hear any other option, there's, it's to kill you or to hook up. <laughs> that's it. We're going to hook up first and then he's going to kill me. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. And he's in the government, he can get away with it. You know what's so funny is that that was foreign to Brian, but I had that exact same thought, Dania. I'm on the same page there. I'm like, yeah, you can get away with it. He can, and he can't even tell me what he does because of his government job. So I'm like, you can. Or I like that we're also assuming that that's a, not a lie. Yeah, I don't think that's true. No yeah. one with a government job that cannot tell you about it tells you that they cannot tell you about it. Yeah, they, they make up something else and they'll say, I work... I'm an accountant I'm at a firm that you That exactly. is so true. They always just say like, yeah, some other job. You're like, that doesn't sound right. But they'll be like, yeah. no, that's what I do. Yeah. <laughs> they, it's revealing too much to be like, I work in um, a five-sided building uh, yeah. that you might have heard of. No, never mind. I can't tell you what I do. Yeah, you can't do that. It's kind of like a Pentagon. But <laughs> yeah. Here's the thing. People with those types of jobs, and I've worked with a few of them, everything is tapped. And even as their therapist, they cannot even mention their job. They start by saying, please, let's, let's not talk about my job ever. It's not relevant. And that's, that's how they start the session because everything is tapped. And, uh, tapped. and if, if they hear them saying, I work for the government, something Pentagon related, but I cannot tell you, they lose their job the next day. So he's a liar. Of course he is. So what is it about <laughs> Dania, though, that, like, saw this guy, you know, I think in your mind, you're like, these are red flags, but you, you tried to care for him there. You tried to be like, no, wait, I'm not trying to say that. I mean, I still want to hang out with you. What was it that you were trying? Because wh why did you not in the conversation when you saw it? This is a question I... for Roe, because he knows us better than we know ourselves. <laughs> here's, here's the thing. That's a really good question. Um, I usually don't reveal these things to the person that I'm doing it with, <laughs> but uh, given how we're unfolding this whole thing, I'm teaching the Nia how to push bad people away through her vulnerability and not through her fake fire. And I'm proving mm -hmm. to her that being open and looking for the actual meaning of things with people uh, pushes people away because you're being so honest, authentic and vulnerable, not just stupid uh, and, and uh, putting yourself in danger. The best way to get rid of people like that and not make them obsessed with you is to show them that you have a level of of vulnerability and being profound that they just cannot deal with. So they can't even think about hurting you or anything like that. You just don't live in the same level that they do. Oh this is why I tell God. people all the time that being vulnerable is a superpower, but they can't see it, especially fake fires. Hmm. The vulnerability is the protection that they've been trying to create with the fake yeah. fire. And wow. it's been way more effective. Like he left you, not like, oh my God, I've got this crazy guy that won't stop following me and I feel in danger. He ran away from you. It's yep. asshole repellent. That's <laughs> incredible. The thing you thought was asshole attractant is repellent. Yeah, because fake fires never want to be like that because they feel like they're going to put themselves in harm's way. And it's absolutely the opposite. The thing is, this is not something that you can just explain to fake fires because then they just try to be naive and they feel like that's being vulnerable and it's not the same thing. You need to teach them how to be vulnerable. You need to open a space of vulnerability and to prove to them exactly what the knee is noticing. That when people notice that they have no way to connecting with you because who you're being is not playing any of their games, they usually get offended and go away. So, okay, I'm putting myself in more danger had I gone with him to his house or even to a bar. That would have been 
more, not necessarily dangerous, but that would, would have prolonged uh, this. No, it wouldn't. No? He would have probably stood you up or showed up, talked to you for 10 minutes and make an excuse about leaving. Because if you're not fighting him or surrendering to him, he has no idea how to relate. And you're asking for his substance and he has no substance to give. So there's no way for you to fall into a trap. Hmm. I like that. Okay. <laughs> yep. So uh, this is probably a cheat code question, but uh, what is my perfect, not perfect, what would be a healthy match for me? <laughs> Any type of, of balanced, powerful biotype, like a balanced choleric or a balanced sanguine would be amazing. I don't want to Because they would be stronger than you. They wouldn't be afraid of your fake fire. They would be able to control it and they would make you feel safe enough for you to just stay in your vulnerability. Hmm. Safe. I think that's the, the, the word I'm looking for. I'm I just know. looking for some safety. I know. Hmm. Because only when you feel safe do you put your guard down. Like chess. Exactly. <gasps> that's hmm. why I want you to stop being her emotional wife. I'm a wife? You kind of were. Okay. <laughs> okay. I felt I, we brought that up too in our conversation about me being like the child. Mm -hmm. And I was like, but I, I feel like that wasn't fair because I do talk back to her and I try very hard and I check on her as well. But um, yeah, there's just her wall up. And that's why I asked my question before because not everyone, when they put their wall up, am I going to keep trying to break it down? There's other people where if they put their wall up, I'm like, okay, whatever. Yeah, but not everyone has a connection like the one you have with Jess. And you were the child, and then you went into teenager mode and started challenging her authority. And, and we don't want you to stay within that game. We want you to be equals. And it's, it's like the best for both of you, because being an equal with her would mean that you're strong enough. Uh, and you don't need to go into your fake fire to be strong enough. And at the same time that she's getting comfortable in her water and her vulnerability. That's where you, where you meet halfway. Yeah, that's right. Cry. Get that water out. <laughs> it's, it's a floodgate. Oh, my God. If I start crying now, it's never going to stop. Remember how I told you the first time we met that as you found your water, you were going to start crying like crazy and you thought I was exaggerating? Yeah. <laughs> it's also when I was younger my, my both of my parents at some point kind of encouraged me to not cry anymore not outwardly but just my sister my older sister whenever she cried my dad would be like oh here you go with the waterworks and I'm like I don't ever want to be that and that's then, how you became a fake fire yeah it's how if you wrote a screenplay about a fake fire you'd say you'd say, yeah, <laughs> just write that scene yeah <laughs> I can write that a million times if, if we're writing the life story of a fake fire, that scene needs to happen at some point. Right, right. My mom yeah. did the same thing. My mom would be like, like why, why are you crying? Stop crying or I'll give you something to cry about. It's like, oh, I'm yeah. sad. Like, that's yeah. not the only reason that tears are there for. But, uh, fake yeah. fire origin stories right there. Can I talk about my little revelation with fake fire comedians? Go for it. I was thinking about this a lot because a lot of my favorite comedians when I was younger were really uh, intense comedians who kind of just like, just called the world's bullshit as it was and kind of were angry and I loved it. And I realized like, we talk about George Carlin who's a choleric, he did that when he was young and did it all the way till he died. But then some of the fake fires that I've diagnosed, they started being really intense and angry young. And now as they're older, they seem to be much more like 
atoning for the sins of their youth. They're very much more delicate and woke and like their stuff is much more emotional. And it's almost like, you know, betraying the trust. I'm like, wait a minute, the, I have a relationship with you, which is that you're kind of like, you don't give a fuck about anything. That's who you showed me who you are. And now they do, and it's confusing, but I'm thinking it's just like, does this just happen to fake fire men especially? They, after a while, they just, they, they, time, time turns them back into their water a little bit. I think it has to do with two things, because first, that is true. Like, phlegmatics do tend to become softer as years go by. I, I feel like maybe 80, 90% of them become wiser as they grow older and they just don't want to be feisty anymore. Yeah. They don't have that extra energy that clerics have. Yeah. So spending that amount of energy is not something you can do, like, deep into your 50s and 60s. Yeah. But also, the, the other factor that I think is extremely important is that culture goes back and forth in what we understand as true power. And they grew up in a stage where we were kids, where being arrogant, pretending like nobody deserved you and you were the best human being in the universe. And we've we've spoken about this like in one of the very early episodes of the podcast, we were talking about how society seems to spiral in a way and we go back and forth from arrogance to fake humility. And being extremely arrogant was the right the right thing to do when we were kids. It was Top Gun. It was let's be cool, arrogant, and win. And asking for like puppies to dry up your hands, and I just want the brown M and M's in my dressing room and things like that. Those were see those were things that were seen as as you're powerful, you're amazing. And now we're in a very different era. Like we went back to no, go talk to the Dalai Lama, find yourself, open your chakras, and with all of that, wisdom comes in. So we're in the stage of fake humility again <laughs> yeah fake humility that sounds right yeah almost all <laughs> stand-up now there's a section at least where there's some really emotional part of the stand-up show where they really dig deep into their mental health or something which yep. you know sometimes is really powerful and seems really sincere and other times just feels like oh you this is just what you're supposed to do right now and it's people who never would have done that 20 years ago but now who, who? name names well, I feel like Patton Oswalt's one, where when he started, he was just sort of like, I, I, he had like this sort of fuck the world attitude. And now well, he's he also had really, a- really sweet. And I still love Patton Oswalt, but it's like, it's like, there's like a overarch. I mean, think about like that photo he had of him like writing that apology for saying that Dave Chappelle was his friend. That kind of went viral. Like that's not early Patton Oswalt behavior. Well, opinion. also think he had a huge thing happen in his life his his wife died right and that'll that'll definitely unfake fire you a bit yeah and i think his meredith salinger his new wife is an absolute fake fire yeah so then he that she can take yeah. that role so yeah i think he's able to kind of be a little bit more in his water i've listened to some podcasts of the two of them together and it's interesting the dynamic between the two of them she, she's definitely more of the fire in that relationship yeah all right, All right, so let's talk about dumb dating shows. Let's talk about the stupidest of dumb dating shows. What did you do to me? What do you mean? <laughs> you made me watch that show. Love is Blind? Yes. It's infuriating, isn't it? Well, I, it, I, I it, didn't find it infuriating, but I did find it. As a phlegmatic, I found this thing infuriating. Yeah. I, as a I understand what, did, what did you call me? Ide- not idealistic, but I- ideatic? Ideatico. Yeah, this goes ideatic. against my moral values and it, yes. it but Ross it shows us that love it can transcend the way we look 
No, it doesn't. Just, no, it doesn't at all. It's <laughs> <laughs> so one thing I've learned from this show is that love is not blind. Uh, no. <laughs> one thing I've taken away is that Nick Lachey is an excellent host who will read anything that you put in front of him. That is very true. Like, I was actually very impressed with Nick, Nick Lachey's delivery of some of these, like, insane things. Like, they've fallen in love emotionally. And I'm like, no, they haven't. Um, like, yeah, no. the psychological profiling of who they can cast on this thing is, like, uh, are you willing to be duped by a, a feeling of what might be love? This is what comes up with our, our whole thing of uh, red flags that feel like green flags mm-hmm. or the opposite. Uh, no, that is it. Red flags that feel like green flags where yes. everyone's like, I'm in love. You guys at home might think I'm crazy, but th- you don't know until you've been here. And it's like they've only been in the pod section for seven days. I, I think anyone that hasn't watched the show, I need to give a little bit of context to it. Love is Blind is a reality show on Netflix where they take, let's say, like 10 contestants of men, 10 contestants of women, and they aren't allowed to see each other, but they date through going into these pods, and they kind of choose their favorite, and they can't leave the pods until one of them proposes marriage. So the only way to get out of the pods is to be engaged. And once you're engaged, you can see the person for the so first if you, time. So if you don't propose, you're off the show. You're just done. Yes. Yeah. But if you propose, you move on to the next thing, and you meet your person. Yeah, and then they fly you to Mexico, uh, and then because after, where else, baby? Because <laughs> yeah, and you get to you go to like, Rodrigo's house. It's very weird. Yeah, <laughs> his his wife makes you dinner, um, and then you you go to like an apartment together, and then you meet each other's families. It's like it's it's a very interesting way of doing it. Yet it's completely wrong, and everyone on this show is severely. I don't think you Damaged. go on a show like this unless you're broken. Like, I, I, let, let's maybe start with like a 10,000 foot view because I want to loop The Bachelor in on this. What drives someone to go on a reality dating show, be it Love is Blind, Love Island, The Bachelor, any of these things? In today's world, most people are willing to do something like that. Uh, like, if you're single, life's not working, you might become famous, maybe they'll give you a bigger following. They even had a girl that, that clearly just wanted more Instagram followers. The one that kept saying how she had a ton of Instagram followers? Yes. yes. Wait, isn't that Shayna? No. No, no that was one. a different one? Okay. Y- you no, know, Shayna's a completely different animal. Okay. Yeah, oh, God, Shayna is definitely quite an yes. animal. Yeah. It, it reminds me a bit, I remember I saw, back when Jon Stewart hosted The Daily Show, I, I saw it a few times live, which was just the greatest experience, and he would come and answer questions before the show started, and his wit and his speed was off the charts. But one person asked a question. They were like, okay, The Daily Show's been on for like 15 to 20 years. Everyone knows what it is. Yet you go to these places and do these remotes where you interview people and make them look like fools. Don't they know, like, who you are and how they're going to look? Like, my God, you guys, like, how do you keep getting these people when you're this famous? And Jon Stewart simply said, this is something I've learned in working in TV. Uh, people really want to be on television and stupid people really want to be on television. (laughs) And I was like, okay, yeah, it makes sense. (laughs) That's rough and it's true. Yeah. (laughs) At the same time, even, even though everybody knew about the daily show, if you're from like right wing America, it's not in your radar. It's not in your algorithm. Yeah, I guess. And you don't do a little research, then you Mm -hmm. won't know what. So how far did you get into this season of love is blind? Uh, right. I, I watched the first four episodes Okay, last yeah, night. yeah. So I, I will say, yeah, I'm, I don't think I'm further than like five episodes in. So mild spoilers up to, to episode five. 
If you haven't watched, maybe listen to this if you don't care about spoiler, spoilers, but and then you can go back and watch it with this context that we're about to give or go watch it and come back I, to this episode. I'm really into Shane. I want to hear about what you think is going on with that dude. Yeah, so so oh Shane is interesting. I have all my theories about Shane, Shayna, and I keep <coughs> wanting to say Brenda, but that's not her name. Who's and the Asian? Sh- wait, the sh- and Shake, the Indian guy. Yeah, oh, the yeah. Indian guy. He's got a lot of stuff going on. Yeah. I have many things to say. Like... Even if for people that are listening to us right now, if you don't really care about the show, but you want to see it a little bit through our eyes, actually listen to this episode and then go watch the show because we're going to give you some pointers on, on what's psychologically really important to pay attention to. And how to avoid this in your own life. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I, I only started doing like most of the couples counseling that I do uh, at the beginning of the pandemic. Like uh, it was something that I had done in some in some of my workshops, but never one on one and like with couples constantly the the way I have been doing it for the past two years. And this is where I started developing the whole theory of traumatic compatibility. And I know it works. I love it. I'm writing a lot about it. But the really interesting thing is I, I was never able to see it happen. And this this experiment was perfect for my theory because this actually proves everything that we always talk about, uh, about why when you have a specific trauma and a specific pain that you normalize in a specific way, you find it attractive. And it was so obvious to watch people connecting. And of course they're editing the show for you to like go through the experience with them. But the things that I started noticing, like when someone started opening up about their rough past, that's not something that tracks with everyone. You need to have a very specific type of trauma and understanding of life to find that attractive. Like someone telling you, I forget her name, uh, like Ileana or something like that. She has a weird name. The girl with the short hair that she was in oh, foster care. And, yes, yes, and yes. She was yes. adopted. And the blah, one blah, blah, that blah. accepted the second proposal. Where yes. he was like, I just proposed to someone else and they said no, so now I'm coming to you. Yes, And she accepted that proposal. Right. Yeah, That whole thing was so perfect. Like the fact that this guy has felt lonely and kind of fighting against the world his whole life and trying to protect himself and protect other people and that he just went through a life and death experience and then having a girl open up about her past and how rough it was and how lonely he feels and how lonely she felt growing up like that was traumatic compatibility at its best. Like most of what we saw, because the pods isolate them from all the codes and meanings that we have when it comes to physicality and how people act, body language, uh, all you have is tone, words, and meaning. And we could pretty much isolate every couple and be able to say, this is this person's trauma. This is how they evolved during the show because there was a little bit of evolution, even if it has to do with shame, even if it has to do with pressure, there was a little bit of transition, let's call it. Uh, but seeing how the things that resonate uh, for them and the people that feel massively in love, it's 100% because of traumatic compatibility. And we can break the couples down little by little. Yeah, and then, I'm, I'm pulling up the cast right now. Kind of, perfect. it goes through it one by one. Did you want to finish a thought before we start to go through this cast? Like, all I wanted to say is, it opened my eyes about one thing. Traumatic compatibility has 100% to do with your beliefs <clears throat> and everything you normalized, your trauma, your pain, 100%. But I never saw the layer of the physicality and how there is something attached to it, too. And th- this was kind of new for me. Like, it's from the same place. It's still psyche. Like... Um, 
the chemistry that you feel uh, with someone physically also needs to be attached somehow to to your traumatic compatibility. A thousand and, percent. Yeah. And we saw it happen for a couple of couples and we saw it not happen at all. For a oh, couple I, of I could pinpoint the moment where where shaken and deep lost com traumatic compatibility. When was and it? it? Uh, in the pool. Mm, when she, yeah. because he liked the way she looked in the bikini, but the moment that she started being really into him. It's so funny yeah. too. Also, it's like when they say the camera doesn't lie, it's one of those things where it's like this guy wants to run no matter what he's saying. You saw it in his eyes. Like this guy. Oh, she was like, let's gone. just get married now. And this, you've told this to people before, Rodrigo. If someone's like coming on to, if you're like, if you really want this person to go away, just be head over heels for them. And they'll be like, whoa, 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 wait a second. Maybe I don't 90 want 90% of people will run away because 90% yeah. of people have horrible beliefs about them. Themselves. So if you treat them amazingly, they usually run away. We'll, we'll get into the, the deep and shake dynamic in a second. I, I want to go through yeah. the cast so that people can kind of, we can get a little biotype and personality right. on each of the cast members. So first, uh, I guess in order of however this Netflix website is, is giving it to me. We've got Mallory. I think she's sanguine. I liked her at the beginning and then she's gotten worse and worse over time in my opinion. I never liked her and she's a sanguine with a subdominant phlegmatic. Half Latino, half Polish. Wow. How, wait, did she mention that she was half uh half I was Polish? paying attention, my friend. Yeah, she was also the one that expressed herself about all the sexual stuff that she's done and yep. uh, yeah. Um but but I remember looking at her and being like this is absolutely a sanguine woman. She, she's I think one of the fan favorites. She winds up with Salvador who we'll get to Should I just see if I could jump down to Salvador? Poor we'll Salvador. Yeah, he really I know. screwed that up. We'll There's just go in order and then we'll get to Salvador. Okay, yeah. so next Rocky skipping Rocky. Uh, Kara, don't even remember her. Kara, Kara is the Instagram girl. I That's think. the Instagram. Kara Williams. Yeah. Instagram I mean, let's go past person. people that yeah, didn't really that make it. Here we go. Shane Jansen. This, this is guy is this guy's amazing. Promoting the best cleric. guys. Best guys of any reality show I've ever what, seen. You, so you texted me, Brian. You said I hated him at first, and now I love him. Yeah, which yeah. Tracks with your love of clerics. But but then everyone who's been saw that on my stories were like, you're gonna hate him again. Apparently, like this guy's a roller coaster because he seemed I, like such an idiot, and then he seemed so sweet to Natalie. And you're like, oh, I guess. No, I, wrong. I have a, an absolute prediction. He got trapped in that Natalie relationship because he got busted, and he he has a lot of mom. He mentioned that he loves his mom on the show, he which has, is what makes him promote. He has all the mom in the world but at the same time do you know what he looks like like one of those person the one of those people that was triangled and became became mommy's little boyfriend this is exactly what it looks like because he has oh. a lot of mom but he has a lot of uncertainty about who he is and he needs the approval constantly from other people and he's always asking for it yeah. but before we even dive into it do you know what i did at the end of the first episode what mm -hmm. you wrote down who all the couples were gonna be no, I went uh, online to figure out if this guy was autistic. Oh, yeah, because he kind of has a little bit of that vibe to him. He, he looks like he has Asperger's. And I went online and Netflix is saying that no, he doesn't. And now people are saying that there's a cocaine scandal and that he was high through the whole show. I have no information about it. I'm just being a talking head, repeating yeah, yeah. what I read online. But I was like, well, Cook would like describe that too but i actually think there's something intellectual like about mental health somehow with him because the patterns that he follows the explosions that he has would be described by addiction or like asperger's 
Because I couldn't figure out if I was like, is this guy choleric, a fake fire promoter? Is he sanguine? Like, but I think he's choleric, subdominant, sanguine. I think that's kind of where yeah. I, where I fell with the. Read I mean, he's up promoting choleric, which yeah. is, explains with the, the mom relationship. But there was a yeah. moment where because he would have wound up with Shayna, easy peasy, but yeah. he got caught calling Natalie Shayna, and as a way of like repenting, he went with her. But you could tell, like, like that was a heartbreaking moment. For, did you see that part, Rodrigo? He wasn't caught calling Natalie Shayna. Like he thought he was talking to Natalie and That's it was Shayna I... on the on the other pod, but the, the the show tricked him. Yeah, for sure the show Clearly. tricked him. But because of that moment, he wound up doubling down to pro- to protect Natalie's feel, or at least to make himself look better in Natalie's eyes. Yeah. And he asked her to be his girlfriend to kind of like double down, don't be mad at me, be my girlfriend. And then he lost Shayna with that. And and I think you can tell that he really regretted that but he also did it out of guilt because remember that first he had this like connection with natalie we can talk about that in a second i did air quotes for that connection because there's no connection whatsoever there uh but um suddenly i think shana talked about him or something like that and natalie went to complain about it didn't she and and he left the pod like in the middle of a conversation was that with natalie I think, uh, who was that? I forget who that was with, but because I do I remember. Because like, I feel like he came back to ask, to ask her to be his girlfriend a little bit out of guilt too. Yeah, that, it definitely felt like he forwarded that relationship out of guilt rather than out yeah. of a desire to forward the relationship. There's also a part of him that feels like he's five years old. The way yes, he kind of yeah. moves and ugh, and like, but he looks like a, a giant behemoth warrior. It is the strangest dichotomy just to see him behave sometimes the way he does and look like he does with that weird Gary Busey face. Yes, thank you. He looks like Jake Busey. I was really trying to figure Gary. out who does this. I, Jake, too. Who's Jake? <laughs> His uh, Gary Busey's son. Really? <laughs> yeah. He looked, he look up Jake Busey. He lo- I think he looks more I, like Jake I also Busey love his Gary little Busey. quote down here. You go down. Someone always late is a turnoff. Like, what a dumb <laughs> quote. <laughs> Oh my god. Okay, we're skipping over Brandon. We're skipping over Chastity. Oh, Brandon. These people, yeah. Okay, here we go. Abhishek, Shake, Chatterjee. Oh boy. Um, He was kind of, he got a reputation early on for being like shallow. (laughs) Remember that question he asked where he's like, do you like going to concerts? She's like, yeah. And he's like, and you like being on like people's shoulders? Like, could I, like, could I carry you on my shoulders? Would I have trouble picking you up in the concert? And she's like, what are you asking? And he's basically trying to like Trojan horse in the question of like, are you fat without them like knowing he's asked? It's so stupid. She, we'll we'll go into deep in a second, but like, she wasn't as into him at first because he was more into her at first. And then there was a moment where it absolutely flipped. Did you notice that? You mean in the pods? Um, no, outside of the pods. She was like hesitant to accept the proposal at first. Oh, I, I, I haven't gotten to that part of the show yet, I guess. That, that, well, they, they proposed before they left the pods. Did you get yeah, to when, when they, they proposed? She, when they proposed uh, in the pods, she was completely into him. She was just afraid that she that he might think that she was too heavy or that because she was fat before he wouldn't like her body. And then remember when they met, he like was like all over her. He's like, "I'm gonna get you pregnant." Like he was yeah. so yeah, he, intense. And also, when you notice that they were kissing, he was more into the kiss than she was because she didn't look at her properly. Like I, I don't want to say this. This sounds horrible, but. She like she has a very beautiful face, and and she looked great in that dress, 
Uh, but when you start paying attention, if you're a shallow human being and all you're asking is, are you skinny? Can I pick you up? Blah, blah, blah. I was even afraid that she was going to be taller than him because she looks bigger than him. Uh -huh. Like, thank God the guy's tall. But I have a whole theory about their connection and it is not romantic. Oh, for, I can't wait. All right. Because yeah. something like happens with Shake later, I've heard. I haven't gotten to that point, but um, let's keep going down. Oh, Danielle. So Danielle, absolute fake fire. Oh wait, we didn't yep. we didn't say what uh, Shake is. Shake's a fake fire. Yes, he is. Yeah, he's is the, he... the skinniest phlomatic ever, and he's an analyzing fake fire. Analyzing fake fire. Okay, yeah. great. Let's move on to Danielle, another analyzing fake fire. Um, which did you get to see Danielle and Nick and her mom? No, oh. not yet. Oh, that's I, I didn't get to Danielle's so mom. Uh, yeah. What? Uh, her mother is. Pretty intense. Oh, I think her mom is a controlling melancholic. That would Maybe. make sense because she is so broken. So yeah. broken. Uh, did you, but Rodrigo, did you get to the point in the show where she has like a panic attack and just like accuses Nick of like all this crazy stuff? Well, we'll get to Nick in a second because I don't know yeah. his biotype exactly. Nick is an extremely interesting human being and we can use him to point out several things. Great. Okay, is there anything you want to say about Danielle before we, we go through the rest of the cast? Yes, I feel for her. Like, every time I see her on the show, I'm like, I want to give this girl sessions. Like, I'm yeah. dying to connect with her and make a little difference. Because the principles of her beingness are in the wrong place, 100%. And everything you're describing about mom would make total sense because this girl has no mom. Because she's pretty, she lost a ton of weight... Uh, according to what she's to what she said, like if I saw her walking down the street, I would go like, "That's a beautiful woman," uh, like in every sense of the word. But as soon as she speaks, she is her own worst enemy. She is so convinced that she's worthless, and she is so convinced that they're just gonna push her away and cheat on her that she's more comfortable with people that treat her like that. And when she's being treated right, and I'm not saying that Nick is the best one at doing this, but uh, when she's being treated right, in, in a sense, her insecurities triple. Yeah, it's you haven't gotten there, but there was uh, after the mom thing. She gets mad at Nick for what seems to be no reason, and they get in this fight until he she pushes him away. And it's like, mm. oh right, if you need reject, you will even if something's fine, you will like almost start a fight to create it because like that will just help you under you know that's the the life you've lived so far. It's what you're comfortable with. Because you create a fight and now you make the rejection real. Like right. this guy's not rejecting you for your looks or for who you are. So why not get food poisoning and then tell him that you were seeing him from the balcony talking to people. And the guy's right. like, I was talking about capitalism right. like with that girl. And she was like, yeah, I heard you. But still, you were going to the beach and you were doing this and you were doing that. And it's like, let me show you that deep down I am broken and I am horrible because I need this in order to be in relationships. You cannot just treat me like a queen. I go crazy. And... We can see a little bit of that in, uh, in what's the name of our Indian guy? In Shake, too. Yeah. Wow. I have personal questions now about my life and other <laughs> men that may, but maybe we should keep it too. Well, we'll people. put that in the patron section. Let's keep it for Brian, you want to write it down so we can get to it later? I'll remember it. Just okay, great. Remy Danielle. Uh, Hope didn't make it. Here we go. Ayana, she accepts the Ayana. second proposal from somebody. Uh, She's foster care system, yes? Yes. Um, I, think, I don't think she's a fake fire. I think she's a, a true phlegmatic, maybe an analyzing phlegmatic. What do you think? 
I completely agree. Lemetic analyzer. Yeah. And and I completely agree with what she said. Like if if the story that she told is real, the fact that she's so highly functional is mind blowing. Mm-hmm. I feel like like she's like probably the best adjusted human being on the show. Yeah, I mean, well, you mean like considering what she's her starting point? Not only considering her starting point, like even if I didn't even know her past, she's probably the best adjusted human being in the show. Not necessarily healthy, but very well adjusted. Yeah. Like she has, she is highly functioning and, and she's very aware of herself, but she still trips with certain stones. Yeah, but she's with a guy that's not a loyal dude. Well, I haven't gotten to that part, but well, she was so, the second choice, which is perfect for her ego. Yeah. Tell, me that, <laughs> tell me this. That's funny. What is the biotype most likely to go on these shows? It seems like we have a lot of phlegmatics, no melancholics so far, which make me feel very uh, proud of my brothers and sisters. Phlegmatics um, <laughs> <laughs> in general, like they're the ones that value relationships. And phlegmatics are the only ones that are suffering if they're 30 something and they haven't had a successful relationship. Most mm. other biotypes either collapse into their themselves or just find success as a cleric, uh, experience as a sanguine arts and projects that like make your mind race as a melancholic but as a phlegmatic if you don't have meaningful relationships that's emptiness so they're the people that are willing the most to do something like this this is also why i'm pretty sure that in the casting process and i've been involved in casting processes of shows like this in the past like profiling the people that are going to go on the show and i'm pretty sure they they chose other melancholics in the past uh, or at the beginning of the selection process. And I can see how melancholics would go like, yeah, but explain this to me. Like, tell me how it's going to be, how it's going to happen, what am I supposed to do? What are you going to show on the show? And I can see like melancholics going like, yeah, no, like I have no intellectual certainty of what you're doing with this. And at the same time, they also chose a lot of people with emotional depression. And they also chose a lot of people that have lost a lot of weight. And that's right up phlegmatic alley. Yeah, wow. A lot of people on this show aren't like the supermodels you'd see on something like The Bachelor. They look very no, yeah. human and normal. Mm-hmm. Um, and I wonder if that's a component of it as well. I don't think that they were, they were probably, I want to, okay, if they did it unconsciously, they were just looking for broken people. If they did it consciously, they were literally looking for people that don't think that they're attractive enough, looking for the conflict and looking for like their depressions and their patterns and everything that's not working in their mental health to explode in the middle of the show because that's rating, baby. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Um, I'm going to scroll down a it's little like, bit. It's just crazy. It's like, hey, let's give depressed people alcohol and watch them cry. And we're all like, yeah. yeah. At the same time, we're like, mental health is an issue. Like, we need to fix this. But it's like, we're part of the problem. What the yeah, fuck? Yeah, we're watching The fact this. that we're, like, all we're doing is just, like, looking at people who have, like, really big problems and making them worse and going, like, good, more, more. Mm-hmm. The fuck is wrong with us? All right, who's Nick? Nick's next. So, Nick, I, I'm pretty sure he's phlegmatic. Nope. Is he choleric? Yes. He is the most phlegmatic acting choleric. No, is he a supporting? He, is he a supporting choleric? Yes. That is that is a phlegmatic acting cleric. He's yes, but, but here's the thing. He's Reed. Yes, he is. Reed. And and here's the thing. And this, I'm not talking about Reed with this because I'm going to say horrible things about Nick. And I love Reed. But this is the like we got to see the true controlling side of even supporting clerics uh-huh. because 
He's a supporting cleric. He acts very soft at the beginning. But then when it comes down to splitting hairs and seeing who he is and the toothpaste that he makes and the body wash that he makes, he is a stubborn, strong man. Yes. And that's where you see the cleric coming out. He just dismisses people. Like the girl was saying, your toothpaste smells horrible. I'm never going to use it. And in a really calm but very dominating way, he looks at her and he and he goes like, I'll start making it for you too. <laughs> it's such a quiet, choleric way of saying like, yeah, I'm running the show. Like, I, right. ad- I admired up. that when she started treating him in a certain way, he's like, I'm done. And he left. I admired that because as a phlegmatic, my pattern would be to stay and try and console like he didn't engage he like he he had a breaking point and he left like i'm not going to let this be treated that way yeah but that's good for someone like you it's not good in someone like him <laughs> like if a phlegmatic can do that that means the phlegmatic found power but if a cleric does that even when they seem soft at the beginning as soon as i started realizing that i was like this is this is the part of of cholerics that you don't see unless you're in a private space and like in a very deep connection and then you go like Oh, so you're not that soft. You're just a cleric with a lot of mom. Watching that relationship gives me the most upset stomach out of all of them. Oh, mm. one, 100%. That's toxicity at its best. And at the same time, I'm pretty sure that he had a lot of mom with a very unstable mom because he is too ready for someone like her. Right? Like he, he knew where to go. He knew how to like, like, it was this weird dynamic between like taking care of her while she's sick but also like give me the coffee in the bed uh like 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 this weird like ownership over her of uh well I'm going to have my dog I don't think my dog's going to like your like your cat very much you know almost insinuating like we're going to have to get rid of your cat here's here's the thing this is exactly what I wanted to point out and I just saw this last night so I don't I don't have like all the thought process that I would like to but um when we see a supporting cleric um, they're, they're soft and nice at the beginning. They're very aware of their energy. They don't want to be dominating. But then when you see the extra mom entitlement of a supporting, uh, of a supporting cleric, they're not aggressive about it, uh, but it sounds a little bit hostile. It, it feels like an overpowering and an entitlement that quietly destroys other people. And I can see why she's attracted to it too. Like their traumatic compatibility is perfect because this guy clearly has like a chip on his shoulder. He's not good enough. He needs to prove that he is strong. And he feels like he gets it about being emotional because he's a supporting cleric, but even though he's still dominating. And on her side, she has never been good enough for anyone. And she's openly trying to be good enough. So he plays <clears throat> so he plays a dominating part of the whole thing. And she plays like subservient with toxicity in, in the game. And they're both not good enough. And they both feel like who they are is awkward for the other person. But these two people have no idea who each other are. That they're just there playing the egoic game, like expecting for something magical to happen. But what they just found is literally the worst and largest example that they could have ever found of traumatic compatibility with each other. Wow. That's great. All right. Uh, all right, Jarrett. Um, my read on Jarrett is... Like, I wanted to say sanguine, but also keeping in mind that he's black, I, I almost think phlegmatic fake fire promoter. I think he's a phlegmatic fake fire promoter, too. Um, 
he he like no no white or asian phlegmatic could look like that but we know how powerful and strong african americans can be uh and at the same time he's a liar he's a big oh, liar. he's a total liar and he's, i haven't even an got emotional... to the part of the show where it's clear that he lies but he's really trying i kind of feel for him but he's he's a liar like I feel like he had this life and death situation and he's trying to start over and do things right. But this guy is dragging like a luggage of secrets in a crazy way. And he feels guilty about many things and you can clearly see it. Like if I, if I keep on going with the show, I wouldn't be surprised that he has a kid somewhere, that he has terrible stories in the past uh, from past relationships. No one stabs you for free, my friend. So, wait, that's a good. You say, no one stabbed that's a good you for point. Free. Is that what ha- I, he said? His friend stabbed him, right? Like his, that was yeah. he gave him that. His scar? very close friend that he was having friction with just stabbed him one day. You know, it's so funny when I heard that on the show. I was like, "Oh, that sucks." Yeah, that's a weird moment. You know, his friend shouldn't have done that. But now you say that, I'm like, "Wait a minute, yeah, what the fuck was happening?" Your friend stabs you. Like, and it's like, it looks like he tried to gut him. Like, it's just like the yeah. Lost. He he tries to play it out like. Yeah, you know, people are kind of weird every once in a while. Dude, people don't walk around with knives, like, hurting their friends. It's like the guy who I took that trip from uh, El Paso to L.A. with, yes, and I'm like, why yes. is there a shotgun hole in the middle of your windshield right where people, someone's head is? He's like, me and my buddy Rick, we were getting in a fight, and he took the gun and was like, bang. And I was like, okay, yeah, let's like let's not do that anymore. And I was like, oh, that's wild. He shouldn't have uh, shot that gun in your car. Weird. And now I'm like, what the fuck? No one just shoots someone's... You killed a man in that. Brian, the comedian, normalizes everything. It's <laughs> so true. <laughs> I'm just like, oh, okay, that's weird. Interesting life. So Jarrett initially proposes to Mallory. She says yes. no. And then he proposes to, uh, I forget how to pronounce her name. Mallory, Mallory and Jarrett, um, Iana or whatever her name is. Yeah, it's Iana, hard to pronounce. Yeah. But Jared and Mallory were perfect traumatic compatibility in the way Danielle and Nick are. Oh. And, and even Danielle admits it when she sees him. She goes like, that's, that's the type of guy I used to go out with. And I was like, yes, 100%. Because Wait, she's who afraid said that? Of, Danielle said that? Danielle said that when she met Jared. She said, oh. like, she told that to another girl. She was like, he's my pattern. Like, not with my words, but yeah, yeah. like, he's my pattern. He's the type of people that I'm used to go out with. Uh, and she could feel the attraction because she's afraid of everyone. She grew up, and she hasn't mentioned this, but this is very clear. On Are her. you talking she about clearly... Mallory or Danielle? Oh, Mallory, sorry. Mallory, yeah, yeah, okay. So Mallory, I, I did, because she was so proud of herself for not choosing him because she's like, I, there was that moment where she was crying. She's like, I'm just really proud of myself right now. I think she felt like she was breaking her, her pattern. But yeah, keep going. Yes, but at the same time when she saw him, the traumatic oh, compatibility was there and she was losing Mind it. you, and, they also liquor these people up like no one's yeah. business on these yeah. shows. So it's yeah. like any sort of willpower kind of goes out the window in those moments for, for TV's sake. Yeah. Yeah. And but but at the same time, like she admits it, uh, they talk for a while. He's clearly into her, but yeah. she thinks that everybody's dangerous. She has done the weirdest sexual things and tried the weirdest things with probably the weirdest type of guys that were never going to be there for her when she needed them. And and he is exactly that type of guy. Mm-hmm. So she, do you know what she looks like? She looks exactly like those women that have those fake fires that have always dated assholes for the longest time. And then they go to therapy or they take a transformational training or something like that. And then they go 
choose like a stable melancholic uh, to start dating that that guy, the nicest phlegmatic or the nicest pure melancholic, like true melancholic or true phlegmatic, and then completely destroy them, which I, which is what I'm sure is going to happen before she runs back to this type of guy. And yes, this is Mallory I'm talking about, not Daniel. Thank you. Okay, great. All right, let's scroll on a little bit. Uh, oh, Kyle. Oh, no, Kyle. Oh, no, Kyle. Oh, no, uh, Kyle. Kyle winds up with Shayna, and like very quickly, Shayna's like, I'm out. He actually proposes to her after they realize that he's an atheist and she is a very, like, uh, uh, God fearing woman. Yeah, de- thank you, devout uh, Christian. Uh, and for whatever reason, I think he says something like, we can't have it all. Like, he's like, I'm willing to settle. Um, and I think he's a fake fire. I don't think he's melancholic. I think, I think he's, he's a Latino sanguine. Oh, really? Yeah. Look at that white jaw, small eyes, the wrinkle in the face. Oh, interesting. He's a Latino sanguine. Then he's analyzing. Um, Yes. With yeah. very little everything. Very little mom, very little dad. He did you get to the I, episode where he goes to meet Shayna's family? Like he's pretty he's pretty dead set on he brings his How is he going to see her family when they broke up in Mexico? I'm still where they broke up in Mexico. Yeah, yeah. Because, because he goes because to try to like, get her back, baby. In oh, Chicago. Poor him. They they don't but belong together at all. What's happening with him? Because like, you know, they have that religious fight, and I'm like, okay, he's too smart for her. And he leaves. And then he comes back and he's like, you know what? Let's do it. And it's clear <laughs> she doesn't like him at all. It's like any, I, he can see it. He, they, I, how is he in denial that she clearly doesn't like him? And why is he so gung-ho about like, let's make this work when I don't think he likes her? Like what, what is happening with them? Because that, that feels like his last train. This is someone that has felt lonely for a while, that has only mm-hmm. trusted his head. He's probably the most loyal friend. He's probably the most committed person to his family. Yeah. And and the crazy thing about it is that he seems lonely and he seems like he, he, he has never found anyone that actually appreciates him and treats him like his gold. And and then when his last train seems to go <laughs> to get derailed uh, because of the whole religion thing, he comes back and he does what guilty men do when they feel like this they screwed up and he learned that because he probably felt rejected a bunch of times in his life and he overdid it like he went from nothing to here's my mother's wedding ring yeah yeah it's so true look yeah, at those hands. but look at how long those arms are they're not that long and that looks like a square hand and that's a square jaw and the muscles fit look at the size the of the muscles thigh. are very big I yeah. will. I will give you that. Yeah, I mean, you're right, Rodrigo. It's like he was like, you know what? This is fucking weird. This yeah. is not gonna work. I'm out of here. And then it was, here's my mother's wedding ring. It was like, yeah. wait, what? Yeah. How did it boomerang so hard? And his emotional intelligence is extremely low. Yeah. He he reminds me of Taylor Lautner a little bit. Yeah, he's got those eyes. All right. Well, let's stick with Sanguine. Um. That was the only one. I was really thinking he was phlegmatic just because of how attached he became. But the eyes are too small. Uh, look at the size and, and shape of my eyes. And look at uh-huh. his. Yeah, okay. All right. We'll land on, on Sanguine. 
Uh, any more about Kyle before we move on? Well, his biggest pet peeve is someone who is, go down, has a negative pessimistic attitude. Oh, never mind. He's totally sanguine. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Here we go. Deepthi Vempati. Uh, she oh, is absolutely a phlegmatic analyzer. 100% with the strongest legs you've ever seen in a phlegmatic woman. Uh-huh. So uh, give, us, give us your read on Deepthi. Ah, like, I can't really talk about Deep Tea without talking about Shake. Okay. So, <laughs> did you guys realize what really happened in that relationship? How she rejected him, or she got, she got yeah, really confused. into him, and it made him want to push away. Well, Deep Tea wasn't to anyone that was throwing her a bone. Mm. Like, Deep Tea was actually willing to go through a little bit of Shake's abuse. When Shake, like, she's the one that he said, that he asks, like, could I pick you up in a festival? Like, most girls, especially, like, American girls, would go, like, fuck you. Like, uh -huh. I don't want to talk to you anymore. And I believe this is what happened. She is openly insecure. He was covertly insecure. And I feel he was, I feel like he was embarrassed because he walked into the show thinking that it was something different. Like, he thought he was walking into a more too hot to handle type of thing. <laughs> and, and he wanted to look cool. And he wanted to be aggressive. And that's probably what has been useful with white girls in the past. Like, yes, I'm like, I'm Indian, but I'm cooler than you. And I'm more successful than you. And I'm more powerful than you. Like, you need to prove yourself to me. And it's a good angle. Like, I, I can see how that works. Uh, it's, it's a shallow one, but I can see how that angle works. And when he... When he opened up about saying, I talked to the other guys and no one's doing what I'm doing and I feel embarrassed about it and I must have sounded like the only asshole here that's not like looking for a soulmate but someone who's fuckable. Uh, he felt so bad that he started opening up and she was probably the only one that really listened to him. And then they found common grounds. They're both like... They, they were both kind of expelled from their systems. Uh, they're both the outsider from the Indian world that was never there, that never connected the way he should or she should, that always dated people that weren't from their community, et cetera, et cetera. And if Helen Fisher has, has like taught us something uh, in the book that I always recommend, Why Him, Why Her, is that for people to fall in love, one of the most important factors uh, are like, intellectual, social, economical, and, and family backgrounds. Like coming from pretty much the same social cultural background, sharing religion, sharing culture, sharing values, that makes things easier. The thing is the way they connected is like, I'm the exile of my system. Oh, me too. I, I'm Indian and I can't remove this from me, uh, but I, I, I want to be from another culture and reject mine. Oh, me too. Oh, but now we have common codes that we can use without really being Indian, but we understand each other. What he did with the feet, that was beautiful. Like, do you guys remember that? No, remind oh. me. <coughs> yeah, yeah. What was that? Like, they were yeah, talking see, about came... Indian weddings. Right. And, and she said, if we ever get married, I'm not touching your feet. 
It's part of a process in, in, in their culture that they just go down, they touch the other person's feet, and like the woman touch, touches the man's feet, and it's kind of a promise about how this is going to work. It's, it's kind of a promise about like loyalty, I guess. I don't know. I don't know the exact values. But then he goes like, oh, no, like I would never want you to do that. But then when he gives her the, the ring, he actually goes down on one knee and touches her feet, like what women are supposed to do in their culture. Having those codes in common to be able to connect to each other make make the connection mind-blowing. That's what Helen Fisher is always talking about. Like if you're dating someone outside your culture, you don't have enough meaning in, in, in common with each other so that both of you can play these games and, and do these things to each other and make the other one feel special because you understand the meaning of what they told you and not just the comment itself. It's not new for you. And then they met halfway as people that understand Indian, Indian culture but don't want to be a part of it but can't play with it. And they saw, they saw themselves in each other. But now that the connection needs to be human and not just talking to someone, uh, that's where everything breaks down because there was no, there, there, there wasn't even like traumatic compatibility. What it was is they felt, they felt themselves with each other. That makes a lot of sense to me. When yeah. I fell in love for the first time, it was with a girl who had two very autistic siblings. And I have a sister with cerebral palsy. And I remember us talking about it and it felt like we were part of a club. Like the things that experiences she had grown up with that I also had and things we could talk about. I was like, I've never been able to offload this information to someone and have them be like, understand it. And then also like add on to it with their own stuff. And I really think that helps like create sort of this bond of like, well, we have to kind of pod off together because we are alone in this club. And you know, that's felt that lasted for a minute. And you're seeing yourself in them. You're not really yeah. seeing them. Hmm. And that's the problem. And if you add pods to that and no physical touch to that, like it's it's like only knowing someone on the phone. And and if if they have this connection with you because they feel, they feel like outsiders just like you, or they grew up with someone with some sort of like problem, disability in your family, you feel like you're talking to yourself and someone that really understands you because that's Helen Fisher to a new level. It's not like you're from the same culture. It's literally you're from the same private club that only has five members. Yeah. So if you were just in a pod, in a pod with someone that gets you like that, of course you would feel this ridiculous connection but that's not romance and that's not love that's that's the fact that human beings in today's world rarely feel seen and this makes you feel seen but then as soon as you make it real and you make the connection it's about the interaction and not just feeling understood and that's where the problem started for them yeah wow all right let's keep going through this cast salvador poor oh, salvador poor salvador yes he's a he's uh is he a fake fire or a phlegmatic? Is he like, does he have fake fire or is he a true phlegmatic? I think he's melancholic. Really? No. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if you write Salvador Perez on Google, you're going to find five million. A billion Latinos. of them, right? Um, but I think he's, I think he's melancholic. I'm not a hundred percent sure, but I think he's melancholic. The way he acts is melancholic. Another one kind of like Kyle, where it's like, don't you see that this person, the warning signs are all the, it's like, you have to be in such denial to not see that they. This, look at his arms though. Yeah, you're right. 
He's yeah. phlegmatic. Thank you. Okay. Oof. All right. I feel like I, I, I'm passing my test right now. You just barked. <laughs> um, okay. So he's, he's, he's a, a phlegmatic analyzer. Yes. Um, fake fire or? No, no fake fire whatsoever. Yeah. Because he actually had the gentle. most raw moment when they got up, you know, that in Mexico when they're all meeting and he's like crying, yeah. being like, I just want to go home. And it was the moment I really like respected him. Then he like fucked it up by like, Reproposing to Mallory, and I'm like, all right, well, for a second at least, you had clarity. So analyzing it, fake it fire, rough. her choice was between an analyzing fake fire and a promoting fake fire. Yep. Mallory, that's what she was kind of dancing around. And or, an analyzing know, phlegmatic or a, a promoting fake fire. Do, do you guys know um, what Salvador means in Spanish? No. Nope. Savior? Savior. Hey, Got whoa. It. <laughs> That's exactly right. And he honors his name in a crazy way. <laughs> it's crazy how he can forget about himself and his dignity. Yes. Yep. Yeah. In a big way. That's an analyzing personality, my friend. Anything you want to say about Salvador before we scroll on? No, just poor him. He's okay. really trying. Uh, it's so interesting scrolling through this cast and not recognizing half of them. Okay, Shayna. We all know Shayna. Uh, and you haven't even got back when uh, I'll just give a little spoiler. She comes back to try to get Shane. Of course, six. And the the way she does it, the the moves she makes is just like girl. She what is the freaking fuck? brilliant. Okay, let's begin with this. Let's define you, brilliant. You, yes. So let I have so many things to say about her. I find her I find her to be the most interesting character in the whole show. She's a fake fire. Like, I don't think like, she's a fake fire. You think she's melancholic? Yes. Look at that. Look at the bone in the shoulder. Wow. Like, can we see more pictures of her? Yes. I feel like she's an older melancholic with a lot of Botox. She's 32. Well, she looks a little I, older. She definitely looks older. Roe just turned 23. Um, Everyone's older. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Look at the... the yeah. Um, holy shit. She's melancholic. I told you. She's melancholic with a ton of work done. And she grew yeah. up... With uh, I think her mom's an absolute fake fire. Did you get to see her 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 family at all? I haven't been there yet. So um, did she then? So she has what you call water boobs. Yes, that's exactly right. Like like the boob. Look at how big her quads are. Yeah, she's a melancholic. Oh my gosh! And if he's sanguine, that makes sense why that biological connection was there too. Oh, and, and she's very attractive. And especially if you, if you have any type of story about men being like bad or feeling guilty about being a man, she is perfect for you. But she's almost wise. Like she's such an interesting human being. What's her personality? She, a supporting one, but it's a double movement. Very mm -hmm. clearly. Oh, I am 100%. Oh, this is her with, that? I don't know, some other. Her ride or die. Yeah. Oh. Okay. Wow. Melancholic. Got that long face. Yep. That that is a twist on me. Okay, but she's she's a supporting with a double movement, so she was controlling and then got knocked down into supporting. That's what I think because don't you see her being the typical shallow like California girl? Yes. Yes. I think she used to be like that, and then life just ran her over. And it didn't work. And someone was very abusive, controlling, or anything like that. She did say that she had another marriage, right? That she was married before. 
She was engaged before. Or engaged before, yes. Yeah. She sounded desperate, but smart at the very beginning. She would say yes to everything, try to act extremely sexual, try to act extremely outgoing. I'm willing to go everywhere. I'm willing to do anything. That sounds like someone that lived their life wrong. And they came to terms to the point of, this is not working. I don't want to be like this. Uh, like, I, I really need to start caring about people and relationships and be supportive for the people around me. Like, life clearly wasn't working for her. She went into supporting. She has a nice heart. And she almost gets it in her head about how to save herself and live, like, the right life. She's really trying. And I love the, the moments of awareness that we saw. I love that she wanted to talk to Shane in the pods, uh, even though he had already, like, was, like, waiting just to propose to Natalie. I love that she could have gone into toxicity so easily. She could have gone into being the crazy woman lying to everyone. And I'm pretty sure A she fake was like that in the past. Would have done that probably. But well, if I'm not mistaken, in the last season, like in the first season of Love is Blind, there was someone similar to her that lost it and everybody hated. But it wasn't yeah. dramatic. It was a fake fire. It wasn't melancholic. I wonder she if has they a cast level her thinking that she would be that same kind of thing, but one of But she's, she's way more stable. Like if, there's yeah. a, if there was a therapist doing the, the job of, of picking and choosing that I've done in the past and they wanted someone like the last one, he missed it because this one is in a different stage in her life. This one, like this one a few years ago was exactly like that, like what that, like that last one. Right. But this one right now has a level of understanding that's completely new and she's just struggling between her wisdom and just really wanting to make things work. Hmm. Interesting. By the yeah, way, we mentioned water boobs. I feel like I have to I have to say what those are. Melancholics yeah, that have the breasts <laughs> of phlegmatics. Phlegmatics element is water. So as a joke, sometimes we say water boobs when a, when a melancholic has larger breasts that look that look like they might be phlegmatic. It's a joke that we borrowed from one of my teachers. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So I feel like yeah, there are other um, types, maybe fake fires that would have you know, stayed in Mexico and gotten drunk with everyone and created a scene and tried to get with some other guy or blah, blah, blah. And she just up and left. She's like, I'm out. Like yeah. that's, that's not common, I guess. Often there are other people there who are not into their person and they're there to kind of create chaos when that happens. But she had a bit of a stricter mentality, which was seemed a little smarter. And at the same time, when you see her trying to get Shane back in the pods. I haven't gotten to the part that Brian was talking about on episode six, but in the pods, when she asks for time with Shane to say like, someone proposed to me, but I have feelings for you. And I, I, I want to know what's like, if there's anything here, both of their reactions showed the clear different levels that they operate in. She is in a, in a place where she's really trying to get it and really trying to do the right thing with the tools that she has that are not a lot, but she kind of gets it. And, and Shane's reaction was a five-year-old. Like he was <laughs> a little kid not knowing how to react with this whole thing. And you could literally see him struggling in his head because he, hadn't, he hasn't made up his mind and he makes decisions so lightly. I am so convinced that, that, that there's some mental issue there. Or at least a drug addiction problem. Yeah. That, that would explain it too. Yeah. Anything more on Shana before we continue on? 
she's a fascinating human being. I wouldn't touch her with a ten foot pole, but but she is like I you mean like as, her a as, client? as a client? <laughs> no, as a client, as a client, I would love to work with her. But socially, like I can see. I can see why I found her so fascinating, and she reminds me of some old patterns of date of girls that I used to date. I would never approach a person like that at a party. No, I just zero. I'm like, I know that this is a zero sum game for both of us. Neither of us are going to come out. Really, (laughs) that's his old pattern. All right, now we go to Natalie. Uh, Natalie, I cannot stand Natalie. She's like really (laughs) mean. To, uh, she is like like yeah. the yeah like this very like passive m- meanness like, like cruelty is too harsh of a word but she takes digs at him all the time and I, I actually admire he's like you're being really mean right now I think I just like that about the clerics the clerics are really good at drawing these lines that are like I'm yeah. not gonna be treated like this and I'm like oh you could do that but yeah. the way he does it is also childish yeah so childish. asking. He's asking for motherly validation all the time. That's what mm-hmm. we were describing with him. And and she, like Natalie, she's a hostile fake fire. She's still in that stage of fake fires that are still madly in love with controlling. And she feels like anybody winning around her is her loss. That's where you could see a little bit of, of Shayna's. Is it Shayna? The girl? How do you pronounce her name? Shayna. Shayna, okay. Yeah. This is where you could see a little bit of Shayna's wisdom. Because instead of losing it when Natalie was doing a whole show, because the whole show that Natalie did about her connection with Shane was about everybody back off from this guy, he's mine. Mm-hmm. It wasn't her happiness. It was making a statement. And the way the way Shayna reacted uh, was like was pretty wise. Like I liked how she how she reacted. But this one is hostile and mean because for her giving you acknowledgement, caring for you or making you feel special is in her detriment. Like, if anybody else wins, she loses. And that's why she needs to defend herself by attacking people around her so that she can put everyone below her level. And her level is really low because she has a very horrible understanding of herself, her beauty and her worth. And she wants everybody to be below her. Yep. I've, I've definitely known people like that. Yep. Anything more to say about Natalie before we continue on? She's a horrible human being. No. No. (laughs) (laughs) The segment hyperbole. Uh, No. No. What I I really think about Natalie is when she finds her water, she's going to be the best mom out of most of what we saw. Mm -hmm. Like when she goes back into her water and finds her sweetness, the the level of loyalty, love and protection that she's going to create for people is mind blowing. But as long as she's afraid of, of other people and feeling less than... I don't think she can see how hostile and hurtful she can be. Uh-huh. And we know this about like unevolved fake fires. Yes. Okay. Scrolling down. Oh, that's, that's it. it. Okay, great. So now we've gone over the, the cast of the, the couples. Uh, what did you want to say, Rodrigo, about the dynamics of some of these? So we've talked about, uh, let's go shake and deep first. Was there anything more that you wanted to add, wanted to, add to that dynamic? Um, well, the shaken deep thing was just an interesting thing because they both found, like, as, as Brian put it beautifully, that, that they belonged to the same club and they must have felt so lonely in that club. They could be amazing friends and they could create a relationship if there was some attraction. Uh, it looks like I they're still together. Brenna and Denis are both saying no a lot. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, people have are you like, seen have the reunion? We yeah, haven't seen the we reunion. We haven't. 
Yeah, we we might have to watch the reunion and then. Do oh, it. she left him at the altar. Teresa. Oh, said. good. Oh, that's good for her. Good for her. That might be the thing that makes him run towards her again. Yeah. Wow. Okay. They would be the best couple if they if they could make it work. Like they he blasted her on social the... media. Oh, what a fucking oh. dick. Well, That's, that was stupid well, because that guess, that would have been great for both of them. Like if they had made this work, they 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 could have coexisted in a beautiful way, just with no passion, and he was just not into it. She said she had a cocaine issue with Shane. She said she had a cocaine issue with Shane. Says I'm Brandon. telling you, there's this whole cocaine thing with Shane. Let's go ahead and have one of our patrons to come yeah, on. Yeah, please inform that knows me. this stuff. Yes, <laughs> Teresa. <laughs> come on. <laughs> Always happens. All right, Teresa, are you are you up to speed with the current of uh, of this cast? Yes, I watched the whole thing. Okay, great. <laughs> so walk us through uh, the deep shake. <laughs> they went through the well. I mean, like, I, I didn't like look them up online afterwards or anything, but um... boring, melancholic. <laughs> <laughs> with better like, things okay, to do with your brain. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, she she pretty much she like picked out this beautiful dress and she seemed so calm near the end and I would have thought that she was going to go for it and then and then they asked her first and she said no. So Oh, is that how the show goes at the end of it they say do you still want to get married? No, you like actually have your wedding. Your families are there. Yeah. You like get you. It's everything is there. Dude, and then, Lord. And then I saw season they, one, so I know that. Yeah, they set it up in a way where it's just like they ask. Sometimes they'll ask the person that you know really already is going to say yes first, and then the like the, the the wild card second. Um, and like uh, it, do you so and so take this person? Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. <laughs> wow! So you get to say your I do's or I don'ts at the yep. altar. Holy yeah. shit! So she That's said television. no. She said no, and she was so calm about it. She was so happy. She chose herself. She felt like she really. She's like he never gave me any indication that like I was the one. And he did. She did. He didn't. The entire time, every episode, he was talking to everybody about the fact that he had no sexual attraction to her. He uh, yeah, to everyone. Mom. <laughs> like he talked to his mom about it. So I'm like, dude. Even if she ended up with him at the end, she would have been broken hearted if she watched it afterwards. Oh, you know? for real. Yeah. Can you imagine oh. watching this with your fiance and being like, you did what? Um, or I guess your wife or husband at that time. Oh, okay. Um, should yeah. we, do you want to hear what happens with Shane and Shana Rodrigo? By the way, yes. this is heavy spoilers coming up in this section. Yes. Right here, so. Yeah, I know. I, I'm excited <laughs> to watch, but you know what? Spoil it away. It'll yeah. be fun to know. So I actually had a hard time with Shayna because I felt like she did an awful job trying to get Shane back. Like I haven't gotten to that part. Oh, that you'll see. You'll see on the beach with that freaking. So that I'm like, hat. she's a Mel. Like, come on. Like, <laughs> no, this is not good. She's a Mel that like was not on point at that evening, but she tried to walk it back. She tried to walk it back. She she tried to get him back. Obviously, she made crazy overtures, like calling Natalie the day before being like, hey, if it doesn't work out, I've got someone for you kind of a thing. And then, <laughs> then tried to pretend <laughs> that she wasn't like messing with them at all. And I think if she she would have had a better, she would have looked better if she had just admitted it. Yeah, like I still have feelings for him, you know, blah, blah, blah. But she tried to walk it back in the worst way possible. 
and looked absolutely awful doing it. Um, I feel like it was awful. Um, was the guy that that she almost she was engaged to for a second? Kyle. Um, Kyle, like when he when she had him come to meet her family, and then they were in this hotel room. He ate meat for the first time in eight years for her, and then she said, "No, I, I don't think this is going anywhere." Blah blah blah. I'm like, you couldn't have said that. Before he did that. <laughs> well, that's an interesting concept about like shaking your convictions for a for a woman or a partner or something like that. It's not as attractive as you want it to be for them. Um, yeah. Like that. That's so interesting. Okay. Wow. Now I really want to watch the the rest of the show. I know it's crazy. And then apparently, I I, I fast forwarded through one part, but apparently, like uh, Natalie and Shane were going to say yes both, but then Natalie says no at the altar because of the fact that Shane gets pissed at her and they have a fight the day before, and she's like, I was going to say yes, and then he said I was this horrible person, and how can I marry anybody like that? And it just totally blew up last minute. They're both right. He's a kid, and she is, and she has a very dangerous pattern. Mm-hmm. What happens to Nick and Danielle? Oh yeah, um, they they get married. Oh wow. no! <laughs> wow, that's gonna be. They rough. have her say it first because she's like, she's like, I hope he just doesn't like. He gives me the chance, blah blah blah. So we know pretty much she's going into it saying yes, and he won't give a commitment as to whether or not. And it was like this long, long drawn out, like 30 seconds. Is he going to say yes? And then he says yes. Well, that's wow. going to be a hard marriage. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, but like we always say those, yeah, traumatic compatibility is is like super glue. It's not necessarily healthy super glue, but no. it's like if you super glue your eyes shut, it'll hold, but do you want it to? Um, <laughs> and then... Um, there was one other couple that got married. Did, did you watch the reunion? Because they're asking if they're still together in the reunion. I did. I'm trying to remember. I don't think anybody who was together broke up. Oh, Mallory and Salvador. Mallory, no, she, she said no. Okay. Mm-hmm. And uh, Jared and, I always forget her name. They get married? Mm-hmm. Oh, interesting. Brenna, Brenna says the reunion is golden trash TV. Okay. Yeah. Well, we're going to have to watch that at some point. Um, well, thank you, Teresa, for coming on and giving us the, the update. Welcome. Um, for all of our listeners on the free feeds, uh, thank you guys for listening. If you want to hear what Brian's questions about his own life are going to be <laughs> that I told him to remember earlier, go on over to patreon.com slash development where we're going to uh, talk a little bit more personal about how this applies to the lives of uh, our listeners and uh other relationships that we see. Uh, Patreon.com slash RGB development. Thanks for listening. Want more Biotypical? Well, good news. There's a longer version of this episode available at Patreon.com slash RGP development. There you'll also be able to find ways to get on the podcast yourself, ask questions, as well as watch a live taping remotely. Thank you so much for supporting the podcast and subscribing. Remember to rate this five stars wherever you're listening to it. And we'll see you next time.